into maintaining what I call the, you know, Western... Sorry, Zoe. This is, this is so loud. Oh, my God. So there's a little dachshund over here. We're in the middle of Tiergarten, who is having a tremendous time catching this little ball over there. Hello, and welcome to Exploring Digital Spheres. My name is Wouter Bernhardt, and in today's episode, I'm speaking with Martin Riedel, Research Fellow at The Hig. We had a great conversation on content moderation, and Martin's research is above all on the working conditions and practices of these moderators, the ethical aspects of outsourcing and crowdsourcing, and health-related aspects of emotional wellness. Just gonna ring the bell. I'm meeting Martin at the institute. Martin, yeah. nice to meet you, Walter. How are you? But as it is a Monday around 12 o'clock in the afternoon. It's kind of busy, and we can't really find an empty room. So maybe we can find a spot somewhere outside. I'd say that would be perfect. And that we do. The institute is in the center of Berlin, and we decide to take a stroll through Tiergarten, the big park in the middle of Berlin. We find a little bench, and that brings us back to the dog. <laughs> yeah, but maybe we can do this a little bit again. Sorry for that. Uh, you were talking about uh, the cleaners and how it relates to your research, or were you talking about who made the documentary and how it uh, sort of relates back to what you do? The Cleaners by Moritz Riesewick and Hans Block is a relevant documentary for my work because it shows to a greater public the human labor aspects that um, are happening behind big social media platforms. Um, what that means is that they uh, went to Manila, to the Philippines, and they sought out content moderators, so the people who look at uh, images or text and sift through enormous amounts of content and need to make a determination whether or not something can be published or not according to specific guidelines that have been put forth by social media companies such as Facebook. Now Martin suggested I'd go and see the documentary called The Cleaners to get a better grasp on the research that he's doing. It's an intense documentary and sheds light on an aspect of the internet that I'd never really thought about. Um, but what the movie shows quite well is the responsibility that social media companies have, both in maintaining a sort of civil version of the internet, yet simultaneously thinking about uh, what what that means for the people who actually have to do the job, who have to look at graphic images, who have to look at uh, pornography, bestiality, um, the Syrian civil war, and things like that. I was trying to figure out uh, maybe to what part of your research... Um, like to what part of your research the element of the cleaners actually leans into like this idea of course that they show what content moderation is in general but they also show this very crude labor that goes in there and um, I was trying to maybe put a link in between that and your own research. So I study content moderation and I'm particularly interested in the human labor aspects of content moderation. So if we think about social media platforms we usually forget forget about the fact that at the end of the day algorithms cannot resolve everything there is this technological determinist idea that at the end of the day we can do all that labor with algorithms but in my understanding at this point in time it that's impossible because the decisions about what is socially acceptable in society are rather arbitrary and they differ in cultural contexts quite quite largely so content moderation is the notion of 
figuring out what what is acceptable to be published and what's not acceptable to be published. And at the end of the day, you can do quite a lot of that through algorithms. So you can have, say, for example, a list of words that you run through, like the word shit. Obviously, you don't want want something to be published that carries the word shit. Or you might, but you might also not. Um, And so in that respect, you can get rid of some content that way. But there is more arbitrary content. There is content that is artistic nudity there's content that is nudity there's content that is pornography and some of that you might want to allow on your platform and some you don't and uh, hence you need someone to look at that content and i'm interested in how the labor conditions of those people are i'm interested in the emotional well-being what does it do to you if you are exposed to exclusively arbitrary edgy or even very graphic content all day every day and if all you do continuously throughout your day is looking at nudity decapitations in the Syrian civil war ISIS um, if you see the worst in the world all day every day what does it do to you and why do social media companies not provide a substantive um, mental well-being and psychological consultation. Maybe um, we can talk a little bit about how you got into all of this. I mean, you're now doing research at uh, at the Hague, but you in- initially were interested in something else, or at least studied somewhere else. Could you maybe talk a little bit about the path that you have walked um, to actually get here in Berlin? When I finished high school in Austria, I wasn't quite sure what I want to study. I was interested in all too many things. And so I figured that a career in journalism seems worthwhile because I can still explore so many different topics and do whatever the heck I want. Um, that holds true to some degree, I think. But I also realized that I don't want to work as a journalist vocationally. So I went to journalism school first and then I figured that I'm not built for the kind of um, fast-paced nature of journalistic work, and I wanted to go into more depth. Hence, I decided to go into academia. So I got a master's degree in communication science from Hanover in uh, northern Germany, in Lower Saxony. And then I moved on to Berlin, uh, to the Humboldt University, to study social sciences. And so coming from journalism studies, what interested me was how users interact with journalists, how users gain more agency on platforms, how they comment upon certain things. So the notion of you know the public sphere that is enabled by social media platforms or online news outlets is an appealing one and has been studied by many people. And so in the beginning, I studied online news comments quite a bit, and I still do that to some extent. And I got interested in uh, incivility aspects of online news comments and the effects of lots of incivility that's happening in comment sections and what that means for, say, the quality or reputation of, a, of an outlet or how people perceive articles, how they perceive content. Um, were, were you immediately interested in the, the digital aspect of journalism when you started that or when you did communications? Or is it something that grew on you later? Um, I always find this question quite funny because in this world that we live in, there is nothing that is not digital. So... Uh, there's still some orthodoxy if you go to conferences, especially uh, journalism conferences, academic conferences, where people make a distinction between the digital and the non-digital. And I always find it funny because um, if you if you're not online, do you exist? Question mark. 
<laughs> no, that might actually be very true. Uh, but you also say um, you were immediately interested in the comment section specifically. And that's, of course, something you don't really have when you're reading a newspaper. That's correct, which is, which is the interesting thing. One of the roles that news outlets have is being arbiters of truth and like being you know, the fourth power and holding uh, the state accountable. But um, it's interesting if readers are starting to hold news outlets accountable directly and not just in a mediated way, not just by um, sending letters and the letters to the editor and then the news outlet picks and chooses whatever they like to display, but rather that you have this more uninhibited way of being able to say what you think about certain stuff. So that, that, that's what I find interesting. Now, you also at some point decided that what is more interesting than watching news outlets is actually social media. There's a lot more happening there, a lot more participation. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about how you got involved in that and what catches your interest in that particular region. At some point, I realized that if I only study online news comments, I'm, I'm always going to be swimming in the domain of news and journalism and that the publics that news outlets create are to some degree elite publics if we only study elite media all the time which a lot of people do and hence uh, it's also a very limited circle of people who continuously comment on news articles so I figured that I need to focus my attention on the venues in our society where actual communication happens interpersonal communication happens and these are social media outlets so I figured that um, internet governance, how social media outlets regulate how we interact with each other is an interesting venue for me to, to move into. Uh, you, uh, your research is uh, dealing with content moderation. Could you maybe explain to me why we actually have to moderate content in general? I would not necessarily say that content moderation is imperative to everything that happens on the internet. Social media platforms realize up from a, uh, when they scale up and when they get bigger that whatever they started out with, this small community of, pe of like-minded people who share a similar ideology, at a certain point, other groups move into the venue and then, then you have some sort of conflict and you need to deal with conflict. And so outlets then start to think about how are we going to cope with that conflict? Are we just going to let, let it roam, let libertarianism roam and have people figure out and fight out stuff among themselves? Or are we going to intervene? And there's different aspects to this as a, as a platform, as a social media outlet, as an online news outlet. You do want to protect your brand to some degree, so you don't want hate speech to roam on your platform. Um, but you also want, don't want to be known as inhibiting freedom of expression. It's not that you're obliged to provide a space for f freedom of speech. It's a private company after all. But it, you need to find a way to walk on that tightrope path between interfering too much and interfering too little. The discussion around moderation of content can become rather philosophical, whereas what struck me with the documentary was the very real implications that this moderation has on people. It's precisely this human element that Martin Riedel tries to restore with his research. Maybe you can talk a little bit about this particular research project you're doing. So you're interested in the well-being of uh, content moderators, the actual labor that they do. Um, how do you research that? What, do you have a research question? And from there, what kind of methods do you use to, to, yeah, to come to interesting results? One of the projects that I'm doing 
I'm collaborating with computer scientists at a school of information. And what I like about working with computer scientists is that they have this notion of problem solving built into um, their, their every doing. So um, one of the questions that we contemplate is how can we create uh, an interface that makes it less terrible for people to do content moderation. So we try to create uh, an interface where we have different filters overlaying images so that people can still make uh, an appropriate value judgment about whether or not something can be published but don't have to be exposed to the graphic nature of the image to the full extent. And I've attended a conference at UCLA where there were some content moderators speaking And one of them said that if you do content moderation labor, you start twitching your eyes so that you actually don't see the graphic nature of the content all the time. And then I, I realized that the research was really hitting home in a way and that it might actually be helpful for people to do that sort of thing. And so, as you said, research in the digital domain, especially in this domain, is difficult. It's hard to find content moderators who you can speak to, chiefly because... Uh, all social media companies require non-disclosure agreements, so typically content moderators can't and don't want to speak with you. Some people have still successfully managed to talk to moderators, but this, of course, is a big issue. And so what we do in this kind of research where we test this interface is we use Amazon Mechanical Turk, which is a crowdsourcing service where you have microtasks and people can complete those microtasks. And we try to recruit people there who might be willing to do um, the task. And sub subsequently, after uh, these people have done a content moderation task with a filter, um, we ask them about their emotional well-being states. And so then we can compare different states of, say, a blur filter, and we can look if it actually impacts how they feel about this labor. Now, these people are not professional content moderators, so we try to see whether or not there is an effect non-regarding whether or not you're a moderator. Now, maybe uh, as a last question, do, do you believe that content should be moderated in general like we now been talking about a very simple filter because you want to alleviate at some part the sort of graphic nature that this work um, has with it but do you maybe think we should actually have an entire new approach to all of this maybe we should actually um, yeah let the content be on the platform of sdr what is what is your personal opinion to what do we do with these platforms and how content is moderated in general It's perfectly understandable that social media platforms want to regulate content to some extent. One of the things that social media platforms do is they provide spaces for people to convene and to interact with each other. If you provide such a space, you want that space to be comfortable and cozy so that people spend as much time there as possible and be exposed to as much advertising as possible because at the end of the day, it's a business. What that also means is platforms are always going to do some sort of content moderation. Now we can envision different systems where we ask the users themselves to do the moderation. We can create up and down voting systems, flagging systems, uh, super moderators of forums. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be different kinds of content moderation that exist on different platforms. Um, 
if you compare, for example, Reddit's approach to content moderation, it's very much on the libertarian side of things if you compare it to Facebook, which has to have a tighter grasp on the moderation that it does. One of the things that we also need to think about is what does it mean if we create a very clean version of the internet? What does it mean if people don't know how to interact with each other anymore? If we overregulate or if platforms overregulate, what does that do with how people interact with each other? Do we still know how to deal with conflict? Because if everything is clean and if all the conflict is filtered out and if uh, we don't know how, if someone you try to interact with that person or you don't, if that hatred is filtered out straight away, you never get to have that conversation with that person. So I, I can't say whether one or the other is better, but we always need to contemplate this question of how much do we want to clean up the internet that we communicate in. That was Martin Riedel. More on his research and other interesting projects, as always, at hiig.de. Have a look, for example, at the Higgs lecture series Digitaler Salon. Mark down January 30th as Katja Weber will discuss the influence of artificial intelligence on the art world. Then, in the next installment of the podcast, Hig researcher Amelie Held interviews Julia Kruger on Germany's Network Enforcement Act. For now, this was Exploring Digital Spheres. Catch you on the flip side. <laughs>